Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well today Helen and I are joined on the podcast by Anna Claire Harper from Anglo Residential. And when I originally caught up with Anna uh, with a view to recording this episode on women in property I got a sense of the big vision that she has and and indeed has grown over that time. So, for example, when when I said I wanted to open up the debate about gender bias, Anna was already moving on towards wider inequality as an agenda. And it's been amazing to see her progress, not just about the, uh, the social agenda, if you like, but also her development in property over the past few years or so as we've trodden uh, a, a somewhat parallel path with uh, a podcast connection and a network connection as well. So we've dipped into each other's uh, paths quite a bit, uh, I guess, over the last what, five, eight years. I'm not quite sure, but it's quite a long time. So at the grand old age of 30, let's hear how Anna plans to impact one million people through property right now then. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Well, here we are again. It's another episode of the Property Voice podcast. And of course, it's the Women in Property series. And so that means Helen and I, and we're both on the call at the moment, are joined today by Anna Harper. First of all, Anna, how are you doing? You well? Very well, thank you. Yeah, great. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Yeah, probably like you, a bit busy and stuff. So really appreciate you joining us and finding the time to share with our audience today. Uh, that's that's very um, well received. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. And I know you've got a bit of a uh, time limit on our conversation, so I'm not going to hang around. <laughs> um, what we normally do at the beginning of the conversation, if you like, is just set the scene a bit with our guests. And, and so that means them just really telling us a little bit about themselves, their, their background and backstory. And bearing in mind, this is from a, 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 a property you know, background, you know, so whatever you feel is relevant in, in maybe sharing something about that. So the audience has got a bit of a picture in their mind's eye of who Anna Harper is and what she does. Yeah, sure. So I'm a real estate investment strategist, um, an investor, I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm a podcast host as well. Um, and I typically professionally specialize in helping business leaders who have access to between one and 15 million pounds worth of capital who want to put their money into UK property and then to take more money out with as little risk or hassle as possible. Um, And I co-founded Anglia Residential, which is a UK property investment company. Um, We've recently secured six million of seed funding to build a hundred million pound portfolio of high income residential property across the northwest of England. Um, and then in terms of background, I've been in and been passionate about UK property for over 10 years now, which is crazy, <laughs> since an uh, RICS accredited degree, um, real estate degree from Cambridge. Um, and after that, I began investing as soon as 
practically possible on the side of a five-year career in strategy consulting and private equity at Deloitte. So I was in the city, um, had essentially no seed capital and very little spare time. Um, and so I had to hustle my way through it deal by deal. And since then, I've led £13 million worth of investments across 80 flats and houses. Was it 80? That's kind of say, Anna, sorry. 80, 80, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then and just in terms of where I'm going, uh, which I guess is kind of helpful, um, my vision is really to use that experience in property investment and finance to help reduce inequalities of opportunity. Um, I've set myself a small target of reaching a million people <laughs> in line with the UN Sustainable Development Goal of reduced inequalities by the investing strategies we use. So delivering quality, affordable housing where it's needed, uh, opening up investment opportunities, in particular, giving more people who wouldn't otherwise be able to the chance to build their wealth. So putting a couple of deals on crowdfunding platforms, mm -hmm. being the first point of call and scaling that up. And then through sharing information um, to help aspiring investors from any background to invest more successfully, in particular through podcasts, which I've been really, really privileged to reach hundreds of thousands of people through um, and really enjoyed, as I'm sure you do, really enjoyed creating. That's me. Also, by the way, um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm now using my middle name, Claire, because it turned out there was an Anna Harper in the lettings industry who had fairly mixed reviews on Google, and I was worried people would get confused. So Anna Claire Harper with no I and Claire. Oh, so you, you're using Anna and Claire together. Anna Claire Harper, yeah, because there's only one of me. There's only one of you. No, no, I did notice that on your profile, but um, I didn't know the background. And I, I didn't know the other Hannah Harper, but uh, thanks for clarifying. No, no. Well, I, it doesn't sound like she's worth getting to know. No. Um, I just... Go ahead, sorry. All right. <laughs> I think you were going to add, add something. Sorry. What I was thinking, though, there's that actually that speaks of reputation, doesn't it? So... And I think, you know, you work, you've worked hard over the years. I've known you for a number of years now. And obviously, um, we've had uh, chit chats from time to time. We've had some common people in our network, uh, you know, as you know. And so we, we've, we've sort of exchanged dialogue and kept in touch and, you know, checked in now and again. Uh, and you've been yeah. gradually building your reputation. You've said at least 10 years in property since um, finishing your, your degree there. But um, so we need to protect our reputation, don't we? I think it's very important to be consistent between what you're doing and what you're known for um, and yeah and to be honest to be able to stand up and be honest with everyone um, it comes back on you if you if you're not and I've seen other people who have made that mistake so yeah I agree with you it's, it's really important and if I could jump in there um, Richard sure. something that I I found really interesting that Anna talked about was the desire to do some good through um, her investments as well as, as clearly making a great return for her investors and I, that's a theme that we've come across several times during the series so I don't know it might be interesting to ask Anna we can make money and do good at the same time um, and you know do you think that's something that perhaps women are more open to or, or, or are more likely to push? 
don't know if it's necessarily women. Um, there's maybe it's also um, a thing that is is more common with a younger generation. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I just generally think that having a reason that isn't money makes everything that much more fulfilling for you and more valuable for others. Um, I spent a long time thinking about what it was that I really cared about the most. And I really felt like if I couldn't do something that wasn't money, there wasn't going to be that much point in doing, there's no point in really working hard if you haven't got something that's genuinely driving you that isn't money. Um, the thing with money is, as we all know from economics and from real life, is it's a diminishing marginal utility. And actually, statistically, I think the level is around 70 or 80,000 pounds per year of earnings. And beyond that, any additional income basically doesn't add at all to your enjoyment of life, to your happiness. Um, and it doesn't really help anyone else anymore unless you give it all away in which case well you better have a cause behind that right but that there is money has such a huge value in that it gives you control and freedom and opportunities but there comes a point where it doesn't add any more on its own it has to be there has to be some stuff behind it some real reasons why I think hmm. yeah. I I you notice I I think actually Richard we've spoken since then but I recently went away with one of our mutual friends um, and spent a long time in Bali and Thailand uh, working out exactly what those um, things were that were driving driving me um, and where I wanted to go um, and a lot of this stuff is the result of that having done a bit of soul searching well, yeah, it sounded very, you were very clear, <laughs> certainly <laughs> where you are and where you're headed. And, you know, some of those big numbers there. Well, you know, I think I'd like to do a bit of a bridge, but having a, a passion, some people use the word passion, some people purpose, having meaning of some description. I totally agree with you. Um, it, it's going to help you get out of bed. It's going to help you overcome the obstacles when they come in your way, which they inevitably will. Um, it's going to help you see big, you know, something bigger than just yourself. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. And I'm glad you said I, I have a mentor actually who said something really useful. I should share this. Um, it might be useful for other people. I was asked what my business goal was, and I sort of told them about the purpose and the vision and all this stuff that I just told you. And they said, No, your business goal is to make money. Your purpose is to do all these things. The goal and the purpose are different, which I thought was a really nice way of putting it. It makes it much clearer. Yeah, I mean, in, in corporate, I, tell, I think he's right that he, I said he, because uh, I, th I think I know who it is, but it might not be at all. So I uh, don't want to jump to any conclusions. But um, I think, yes, absolutely, there should be distinctions. Um, you know, usually goals have a measurement uh, purpose doesn't necessarily, um, doesn't necessarily have to, but I know you've got some numbers against yours. So you've got, you know, you're talking about a hundred million pound portfolio um, that you're building now and you want to have that accessible to people, but just winding back a little bit, you didn't, you said you hustled. I think there was a word you used, wasn't it? You had to, yeah. hustle. you had to hustle. So could you just take us back there a little bit and just talk us a little bit through the hustling and what you had to do and, and what, it, what sort of strategies and how you went about things, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, yeah, sure. So I started off with investing in a part of South London called Croydon, um, which was pre 
I mean, it was kind of growing into a hotspot at that point. It was improving rapidly, but ultimately it was still pretty dangerous. Um, <laughs> and I began by uh, going out and basically trying to find deals, trying to work out what a good deal looked like. I had really limited time, so it was evenings and weekends because I was working full time in the city um, the rest of the time. So even just on a time management perspective, it was getting down to Croydon and then cycling around on my bike for hours every um, Saturday, building relationships with agents, eventually finding deals and then realizing I didn't have enough money to do them on my own. So having to go out and raise money and partner with people. Um, so as a result, you know, even from those really early days I'm, and there were some I mean, there were some pretty crazy things that happened um, from break ins to drug dealers in our block of flats and um we think uh I had one eviction case where I had to go and represent myself in court because I didn't realize you know I had no I mean I had no idea what I was doing but I just knew I had to get it done so <laughs> I just went for it um and yeah I mean it was a real adventure I learned a whole lot um and and got my hands very dirty um metaphorically and yeah the steepest learning curve I could have had really answer your question <laughs> it does and, and well then, and then what happened after that was I started sourcing similar deals for other people and then sorting them out so that basically very similar to the kind of investors that I work with now um where they would maybe work in the city they might be a partner at a big four firm or they might run a business um and they had no reason to want to go to Croydon but they did like the sound of the returns that you could get from the type of properties that we were looking at. Now, bear in mind that regulations have changed a lot, so the same strategy wouldn't work so well now, but at that point, the numbers looked very positive for a very low um, effort for them because we would do the, the dirty work. Um, and yes, I was going out and sourcing deals as well as doing my own. And that basically, when it eventually grew into something that was big enough and profitable enough to leave the city, uh, for me personally, I I did, um, and I'd kind of gone part time during that period, which was you know I had a brilliant team who were really happy for me to do that. Um, so yeah, it was, and then left the city when I could to focus on it full time. Um, but I was quite nervous about that, um, and I think, mm. may, well, we may talk about that sort of thing later. But I think I wasn't. I I know other people who have been much more sure of themselves making that transition um, and actually for me it was quite hard to say okay I'm ready um, I'm willing to walk away from a very well-paid job yeah. in a, with a brilliant team in a brilliant company to just sort of go for it and I think Cycle I can around Croydon, basically yeah well yeah I mean by that point <laughs> <laughs> it, it had advanced slightly from that that was very early days but uh, the point was to go and get my hands dirty and to go and lead this and I, I really backed myself enough to give up what was a pretty comfortable life um so yeah I think um, <laughs> yes, it's certainly it's, you've you've been through a steep learning curve and you've you've built on the academic foundations from your um, Wix accredited degree at, at Cambridge, but it's probably I think we might come back to some of those things a bit later. Um, but it's probably a great opportunity at this point to ask you about the highs and lows. You've alluded to some of those. Um, yeah. 
just now and perhaps uh, barriers and obstacles that, that you came across along your along your journey highs and lows I think have all been around people they are like relationships and people are the source of the highest highs in my life and work but have also been the source of the biggest problems um mm. so yeah I would say that um and then in terms of barriers and obstacles um well while you're thinking about that Anna yeah <laughs> I can't I can't just let you say it's all around people for the both the highs and lows I mean <laughs> you know come on I was just thinking should I have said more than that I should probably have given a bit more detail yeah, yeah. <laughs> that easily so <laughs> I think people you know I, I can guess but um I'd rather not I'd rather you just share a little bit without obviously you know naming names and shaming and that sort of stuff um, no, there's no need for any of that yeah. I was just thinking what I was thinking was um actually so I speak to business leaders in a whole range of industries because partly they're my target clients and partly because people who are rising up the ranks in companies in the city are typically the people that I'm friends with from university and there's lots of really amazing really talented people every single one of them I know who I really respect professionally says the biggest challenge professionally is people it's mm. whether it's managing people really well or the communication piece I, I mean I know that for a fact that this is not limited to me I was just thinking um, and some of the most respected CEOs in the world count themselves effectively as the head of HR because you're solving people problems all day long <laughs> by that mm -hmm. point so um but yeah I mean I think it's it's making decisions communicating them clearly and then supporting people because whenever you're working with a team their problems are your problems um so hence they can be the source of the lowest lows as well as the most brilliant moments in your career Fair enough. I was just that, Helen come back. And then just all again, I dived into. Um, <laughs> yeah. No worries. And you asked about barriers and obstacles as well. And I think for me at the moment, it's time um, because I've so many exciting goals um, and it's just working, you know, just working through the processes and setting up processes, but doing that alongside doing all the things I want to do is, is just relatively short on time whilst having a balanced life so <laughs> but I think I, I think everyone's biggest challenge is time so I've probably said two of the most generic answers I possibly could have given you sorry <laughs> well it's good to be it's good to to know that we all share the same problems so yeah absolutely yeah that's, yeah, that's handy uh, I mean we did have a chat before we started recording didn't we about the fact that you know we're, you're well we're all going through a transition and growth and so when you go through growth you, you inevitably start to bring in, you know, you get, you, you've got a wider remit. So you bring in extra people and or you systemize and then you combine the two and, you know, then your business change, changes shape and you become more of a, uh, a leader in the business, you know, depending on, on what size it is. So uh, we wear different hats and those hats change as time goes by. Um, I think that's kind of what you're saying. And you, if I understood what you're saying correctly, um, you're in the sort of the midst of that and trying to reclaim your time, as it were. Would that be true? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think I'm on a massive upswing in my career, a massive growth phase. And I'm really, really excited about that. But I'm also not willing to let my health go um, mm. and my and the balance and the happiness and 
someone described it as the four H's, but I actually can't remember what all four of them are. Definitely health and happiness. Uh, but <laughs> hobbies, I think, was one of them. And then whatever the other H's. But um, I, yeah, I think in the past, I might have been more willing to um, prioritise work over some of that stuff. But actually, as time goes on, uh, I recently had my 30th birthday I'm getting old now and it's just made me pause and reflect and go you know what's really worth it what are you gonna and no one ever looks back on their deathbed or from their deathbed and says mm. their biggest regret was not working hard enough mm. um so or, I mean it's a very natural instinct for me to to want to achieve more and want to have more of an impact and want to help people and uh, they're just has to be a bit of a balance with that I think for all of us um I think that's a very powerful thing I think you're you're right there. Um, I think that will really resonate with um, with a lot of our listeners. So, moving on from that, um, how about your greatest successes, Anna? Uh, and perhaps, if you're willing to share with us, maybe your biggest failure or mishap along the way too. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> well, on a like tactical level. Um, I was proud of graduating from Cambridge. I was proud of actually getting a job at Deloitte in the first place and then leaving it to run my own business. Um, especially knowing that obviously I started with no seed funding, um, which made things very challenging at the start. Um, and also like realizing on a broader, softer level um, that I was able to have a soft, positive impact and empower other people um primarily up till now through the podcast that i've been hosting um sharing information but also just standing up and talking about property finance and investing as a relatively young woman um i think that it can be quite powerful well i don't know i didn't think but i have had really really amazing feedback especially recently um from other people saying that it's helped them and I think um, in an age where so many young women are um, low on self-worth perhaps as a result of technology of comparing themselves with others being able to stand up tall and help other people with stuff that might not traditionally have been in considered to be part of their domain um I'm really proud of that um and then also on a personal level I've got really amazing relationships with my friends and family who I adore and I don't want to forget about that um and then failures um I, I don't tend to look at things in a negative way I'm quite a positive person but I think if there's one thing that I have found the closest that I would consider was where I got the balance wrong uh, for a little bit too long and actually it really really negatively affected my health 
Um, so I was letting other people's priorities, for example, clients, um, kind of go above mine in my life and working much harder than I should have been. And at some point, your immune system gets that little bit lower and lower and lower, and you don't notice it on an incremental level day to day. But I guess my health got so bad um, that then a small, basically a small cut in my hand, um, I ended up with uh, blood poisoning, basically, and which has, so septicemia has like a 33% chance of mortality. Oh, I was in oh hospital my. for five days and then, oh, you know, I genuinely couldn't leave my bed for, <laughs> for a month. And that was, I think an oversight on my part letting it get to that stage and I just thought at that point I'm never letting that happen again um you always have to think about balance health is so important and you don't realize until you risk losing it um and actually by the way on that like I still have to take antibiotics every day because there's a risk of getting the same thing uh back now for various boring medical reasons but basically once you've had it once you've had cellulitis which causes septicemia once then you can get it at any time so you're always going to be more at risk and um yeah what is what a I don't know that was a mistake I would say (laughs) if I regret one thing it's letting it get to that stage where working so hard sacrificing do you know what Anna I had um a very similar experience I had a burst appendix two years ago um which came at the end of um, just burning myself out and, and having a, I had a series of infections and then this culminated in two weeks in hospital with a blinking burst appendix. And since then, I've been really um, careful about maintaining boundaries. And I think my perception is as women, perhaps we're not always quite so good at maintaining those boundaries boundaries because we're conditioned to give 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 of ourselves what do you think about that do you know what? I, I I wish there wasn't a gender bias but I think you're probably right and there's probably mm. anthropological reasons why that's the case um mm. but I think you're probably right I have definitely found that into you know just to the point we were discussing earlier around teams and the ways people work quite often especially actually the generation above me the females that I've worked with are less good at telling you when they don't have capacity that they will say yes um to work because they don't want to say no but actually if they often they don't have the capacity and I feel like now having been through both sides of it I'm more likely to say I can't do that um I'm not able to help with that or at that time or on that day um, rather than trying to avoid disappointing someone by saying no <laughs> we've yeah. definitely heard that before Richard haven't we well funny enough I was thinking to myself you know as you're both talking there yeah absolutely we have and you know um, just literally I did some final edits to the conversation we had with Tara Coley and she made a point similar I mean, she, she didn't go into a lot of detail but I think I got the impression that you know she said that she's grown to halt or something to that effect, you know, because of just working so hard and not having the right balance. And now it's a really important thing for her in her life. And I think, you know, it's been a relatively consistent theme throughout this. 
I think you probably are, there probably is a bit of a gender bias and there probably are, are some pretty good, as you say, anthropological reasons. Um, I, it's not exclusive to women. Um, I, I personally suffer. I think sometimes people, the people who are givers, the givers of this world, uh, perhaps found it hard to draw those boundaries and limits. And um, fun enough, there was a book by Adam Grant that I read recently, which helped me to change and put, you know, in fact, that was the biggest takeaway for me. Having boundaries and limits was what... Uh, I think he's called Givers and Takers was the book title from memory. So, yes, get that one. Um, probably, though, with a bit of an interest on the time, because I think you've got to dash off to another appointment. So I don't really want to um, you know, disrespect that time. But you know, I'd love to drill down more into some of what you've said already. But maybe thinking thinking ahead, the um, one of the key things I'd really like to get out, some of it's sort of become apparent in how we've been speaking, is, you know, what sort of values and principles do you operate to? Um, it'd be useful to perhaps share some of that, um, if you don't mind. Yeah, I think a huge thing, I mean, as a sort of, as a person, as a entrepreneur, rather than necessarily as an investor first, is empowerment and progress. Um, for myself and for others, actually, um, and positivity. I was just thinking about your question around failure, is usually I don't really think about it as failure, or I try to see anything that... I wouldn't have done again as a learning opportunity rather than looking at it as a, a mistake and being critical. Um, I think it's just a more positive way of doing it. And yeah, yeah positivity definitely is a, is a key thing for me. Um, and proactivity and authenticity um, and kindness and honesty. Yes, I, I think... Um those uh, those are values certainly that Richard and I share um, certainly many of those um, it's probably with an eye on the time a good opportunity to ask you about how you see the state of the market at the moment the state of the the UK residential property market and um, yeah. perhaps any insights into future directions and trends yeah, and finally advice any tips and hacks you might have for people either interested in property investing in the future or perhaps people who have a small a small investment portfolio now that would be really interesting to hear from you is that four questions in one helen okay so state of the market um yes obviously it's changed hugely and I think a lot of people are very scared and I've made it my mission to see all these big changes um, regulatory economic confidence um, and future changes anticipated as well as technology um, and demographic changes as a source of opportunity um, and that's the whole strategy that I've taken through both Anglo Residential and then the private deals that I do on my own um, is looking at those trends and seeing where the opportunities are. For example, professionalization is a huge, uh, what well, was the desired result of a lot of the regulatory changes that have hit um, the small and medium sized uh, investors. And using that to your advantage, scaling up um, through, as I am through Anglia Residential, and then facilitating genuinely passive property investments for other people. Um, which is part of our business model there and obviously I don't think we have time to dig into it in full detail here but if anyone wants to talk about that and how they can potentially work together in the future really happy to um, and then looking at affordability which I think is one of the 
the hugest impacts on the property market uh, in recent years and going forward um and really is fundamentally going to affect what and and where um investors can find opportunities that will make them any money um and then technology as well which is obviously opening up access to both opportunities and information those are all huge impacts uh or sorry huge trends in the market and it's just using those to your advantage so i think our our strategy as or my strategy as an investor and you know i'm a real strategy and economics geek is really just to look at how those themes affect or a forecast to affect supply and demand um for example in terms of where you actually focus your investment um how you manage them um and use technology to your advantage um and the scale that you invest to for example but there's a whole load of them i could go on for hours about that so it's a shame we asked that one so um so close to the end but um you are something else as well advice any advice and tips for yeah for newbies or novice investors so i think you can make it really complicated or you can make it really simple um to make it really simple i think there's three things you need to think about as an investor of any scale um the first thing is having a really clear deal strategy and tight deal criteria that fits with that so if you say you want long-term returns don't be going out and looking at flips um be consistent have a clear idea of what you actually have a strategy that fits your goals your starting point the market stick with that strategy and arrange your deal criteria around that the second thing is strong operational management so that includes when you're looking at finding deals but also when you're managing them ongoing and the third thing is quality transactions so for me it's buying at the moment because we're really focused on building a portfolio and then holding it but buying and selling at the right times in the right ways um using the right teams managing the process well being so familiar with it that it's like a manufacturing line um you know all the problems before they come up um and nothing phases you so that you can just run things seamlessly professionally um with operational excellence and then i think in general just playing to that first point about a really clear deal strategy i would say once you found the way you're going to focus for i mean maybe set a time limit on it if it if you are new to it and you haven't tested it and, and you don't know if it's going to work yet but if you're testing something just test that don't be trying to do everything else because the moment that things get hard other people's strategies will start to appeal um so stay in your own lane i would say um on an investment <laughs> So on an investment basis. Well, that's good advice in <laughs> in general life, isn't it? Stay in your own lane. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to come back. I mean, we I'm conscious of your time, so but I can actually. It's right. We can go over for another five minutes. I think it's that'll be okay. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Or a few minutes. Yeah, because I was literally going to say, how could people get hold of you? So keep that in mind because <laughs> we want you to signpost. So leave enough time to do that. Um, sure. I think you know there's two big topics there, isn't it? So the future to take of the market. And, you know, picking up trends and, you know, I'm a great believer in that, um, you know, identifying some of the mega trends that are out there. You've hit on a couple. Uh, there's some drivers behind affordability, obviously, population growth being one of them, short of housing, particularly. That's not a mega trend as such, but it's definitely something that exists. So, it, it is a mega trend. It's a mega, mega trend. And that is so, so important. Mm. Yeah, and you, well, you've got basically urbanisation, people migrating from you know rural land to the cities. Cities are getting crowded. You know, economic powerhouses. Well, we don't have the land, so we can't build them. So it pushes prices up, which creates the affordability problems or helps to. 
Um, you know, and there's a lot of a lot of stuff we could talk about there, policy impacts, etc. Um, th- where do you get? So where do you get go to get your insights, Claire? Claire, I called you Claire. <laughs> Anna, you got so you said. Do you know what? Yeah. Call me whatever you like. No, but, I prefer to call you um, <laughs> <name>. Anna. <laughs> Uh, where do I go? So um, I read Property Investor News, which I find to be really, really useful at giving the economic uh, perspective, but also a commercial perspective for small and medium-sized investors. Whereas there's, you know, there's bigger magazines that target big corporate investors um, and developers, um, but this one seems to be well targeted at the at the size well um small and medium size um that is i think your audience um some good websites online um and i go to occasional events where people are talking about the market um i also have the privilege of interviewing people who generally <laughs> are really really clued up on their sector so i really actually am able to learn quite a lot from them um so yeah that's where i go the um it's the return podcast isn't it your podcast the return property and investment podcast i've actually just yeah if we're getting onto that i've just changed the website so it's now a personal website anna claire harper with no i.com slash podcast or easier still i got a little bit lee ex- extension so it's bit.ly slash return podcast exactly well, it's good that, it's good that people can reach out to you and connect with you um you know is there anything that we haven't covered that you feel we should have and you'd like to say before we perhaps close no i mean i think um i can't think of anything <laughs> unless there's anything else you want to know Oh, I could talk. I could talk for ages, but uh, <laughs> we we don't have the luxury of the time, as you said earlier, really. So, um, you know, I'd love to keep in touch. We we obviously had a little catch up a little while ago. It'd be good to do that periodically. Um, I think it's great you're sharing, and I think there's a lot of a lot of people listening to this podcast going to get a big takeaway. Uh, I think it's amazing what you've been doing, and I've just been watching, obviously, um, over a number of years, how you've moved from, as you say, the hustle. I didn't know you right at the beginning. But I knew you somewhere along that journey, and um, oh, quite close to the beginning, actually, yeah, Richard. Like, I was, thinking, I, I was thinking. definitely hustling when we when we first spoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah, maybe you were, uh, and you know, and where you are today, and how you're positioning yourself, I think is great. And I think if anybody wants to see that sort of story emerge and how you've gone about it, um, you know, look you up, and we'll make sure the links are in the podcast so people can do exactly that. But um, okay. definitely, there's all sorts of all sorts of bits on. The website it's kind of a work in progress at the moment but um you can definitely contact me there's definitely a free report um that you can get access to and a couple of free bits oh and i'm also i'm writing a book at the moment so at some point that will come out and that's again about investing but taking more money out so i think the, the working title is more money out how to invest safely in uk property in any market so it's very much the point that long-term sustainable investment in property that meets that fundamental need and resolves the growth under supply of housing in places where people need it um, can actually be a profitable and viable investment yeah it works for all parties in that sense doesn't it so 
Um, mm-hmm. I totally agree. And it's great to see um, you, that you have a, a sort of a, an underlying purpose and meaning behind it too. So I'm sure that's going to be well received when you, you know, you have your portfolio up there in the Northwest. So um, I don't know, Helen, if there's any sort of closing thoughts from you. I just wanted to uh, really thank Anna for coming on the show today and she has such amazing knowledge um, and shares it so generously Um, so thank you very much for for what you do uh, and um, I really look forward to seeing how your your journey continues to develop over the coming years. Thank you, take care, bye. Bye bye. Wasn't that interesting? I think um, Anna herself was a little bit surprised that we didn't get into some of the more geeky economic uh, strategy types of topics because she's very much in that space. As you probably gather, she's got a, a degree from Cambridge University. She worked for one of the big strategy consulting firms, Deloitte's in the city, and uh, it's very much part of her everyday life now. And she interviews quite a lot of uh, heavyweights on her podcast as well. So it was much more the softer side, and I think uh, she detected that too. But that's that was exactly what I was after, in fact, uh, because I want to know the story, the backstory, and how people have, have got to where they are, the struggles they've got to, the learning that they can share and impart upon other people. So perhaps caught her a little bit off guard with some of the questions uh, and took a little bit out of the comfort zone, which you're talking about strategy, and talk about her life a little bit more. So I know she's used to being on the other side of the microphone, So I'm really grateful for Anna opening up and sharing in such an open and honest way with us. Um, We talked about quite a lot, didn't we? Um, We talked about happiness. We talked about health uh, and having the right balance. We also talked about vision. And this this idea of a £100 million portfolio of affordable properties, which obviously is going to help uh, the occupants of those properties, but also providing access to investment for a wide range of people uh, through crowdfunding. So that will obviously be at a more um, entry level, if you like. So I think the whole idea of reducing equalities of opportunity uh, is very much at the heart of uh, Anna's agenda. She talked about the hustler course and riding a bike around Croydon in the early days in what wasn't really her spare time uh, to try and you know find deals and then having to find partners to do those deals. So you know she hasn't had it on a plate, I guess you would say. Um, you know, there's a number of highs and lows, obviously going from uh, Cambridge into the city and then being able to quit um, and talks about how difficult a decision that was. And not the first guest on this um, podcast series, as I'm sure you detected, who stepped out from what was probably quite a comfortable and well-paid environment with a, a promising uh, career prospects. Um, you know, I think, you know, there was a, a number of things that we talked about, which are potentially barriers, time being one of the main ones right now. And it was difficult to pin Anna down. You probably heard the references to time once or twice in the uh, podcast because I knew that she was uh, strapped for time, actually, and needed to move on. But uh, I think, you know, there was so much that came out of it, the values and the principles about empowerment, progress, positivity, proactivity, authenticity, kindness and honesty was also there. So that was really, really good. We started to get the glimpses, I guess, into Anna's uh, more strategic approach when she gave us her insights into the state of the property market and really liked what she had to say. 
which was actually to flip around some of the changes that we've seen in the industry and turn them into an opportunity. So the professionalisation of the buy-to-let sector, the PRS sector, the government's been deliberately targeting landlords over a period of time and many are se selling up and exiting when actually Anna's doing exactly the opposite. She's scaling and uh, going for this £100 million uh, portfolio. So I thought that was really impressive just to hear her thought process actually about how that uh, works out. And she talks about affordability, technology uh, being drivers for the future. I guess, you know, towards the end, she's talking about some advice. I um, thought it was really sensible, uh, a clear strategy and criteria that aligns to that uh, and indeed to our goals. You've probably heard me talk about that quite a lot. I'm really pleased to hear and reinforce that to some extent. But equally testing and sticking with it for some time. Stay in your own lane, as she called it. Stay in your own lane. But I think we can overtake from time to time, but only when it's safe to do so. <laughs> And this idea of having strong operational management um, and quality transactions. So I think that's all about processes, really. And, um, and so it's not just about having a clear strategy and hustling and working hard. It is also about having systems and processes uh, and, and probably people uh, around us to support us to do that. So some really, really interesting uh, insights, I, I felt, that came out of that. And, uh, you know, you can reach out to Anna. She's got her website, which was uh, annaclareharper.com and uh, the podcast slash podcast. The, uh, the Return you know, Property and Investment podcast is really good. And she's had some very, very powerful guests on that podcast, I have to say. Slightly envious, uh, but it's really good to hear someone sharing in the way that she is. And I, I wish you all the best for the, for the future. But there we go. That's all we have time for this week. And indeed, if I'm not mistaken, which I could well be, I think it's the last uh, guest we actually had um, lined up for the uh, series, Women in Property series. So what we're planning to do, Helen and I, is do something of a wrap-up. Um, hopefully it'll be in one session, but you never know. We might ramble on a bit and it might span more than one. But um, we plan to do a bit of a, a wrap-up session, so you can expect that uh, next week at least. And we'll try and tie everything together and pick up some of the salient points so that we can summarise things. So... If you're into bite-sized learning, maybe that's the one to listen to next week. But I guess that's all we have time for this week. And if you want to talk about anything from today's show or just talk about property investing more generally, you know you can email me or indeed Helen, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and we would be more than happy to hear from you. The show notes, meanwhile, can be found over the website thepropertyvoice.net as usual. And so I guess all that's left to say is thank you very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.